It's Monday. You know what time it is. It is FRPC, and we're back on the air, and today we're talking football. And let me kind of give you a rundown of what the schedule looks like for the week. Um, We are going to have three pods this week. This is a part one of two. What we're going to have is the win totals over unders, where we think teams are going to end up. Uh, We'll pick our divisions and what have you on Wednesday. So you'll have uh, three or four divisions today. And you'll have three. You'll have four divisions tomorrow, and uh, then you'll have the division winners on Wednesday. And also at that point, we'll pick out like the Super Bowl and whatever the case may be. So that's what we're looking at. Um, give you a little background on what's going on here is that this pod will probably be a little late getting out. I'm getting it at uh, 4.56 Pacific Standard Time today. I have suffered with a uh, back. I don't even know what you want to call it. I don't. They're not spasms, but I must have pulled some sort of muscle or something in my back uh, this weekend. And so your boy is doing this pod hurt. But we got to get the football out. And we're ready to go. I got a lot of notes. And we're just going to get right into it. So these are the win totals um, for teams via uh, FanDuel. So, by the way, FanDuel, lock in. Uh, I can't wait till they come to our state. (laughs) I'm still in California. So it's kind of like we can't do FanDuel out here um, to a certain extent. Um, as far as betting, we can do like the, what, what is it? The, uh, like the one day draft deal, but we can't do the, we can't do real betting. So, um, with, in some of this, you're also going to get the little fantasy tied in too. So we're going to give you a little preview of your, of the teams and what have you. And we're just going to start it off. We're going to start off with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, their win total is 7.5. Now, if you go over, it's a negative, it is, it's a minus 115. And if you go under, it's minus 105. So it's pretty tight right here, almost at even with both of these totals. Um, so kind of how I'm going to break this down for you guys is we're going to look at it from the point of view of, uh, what do you expect? And my first question right off the bat is, do you believe in quarterback Desmond Ritter? And do you believe in head coach Arthur Smith? So if you believe in both of those guys and the weapons that they have, because no doubt um, we have not loved how they utilize Kyle Pitts so far. Um, Drake London, um, Came out of USC, phenomenal talent. Really haven't seen like the best of Drake London yet. And now they uh, they got Bijan Robinson. Now Bijan Robinson came out of Texas. He was the he was selected eighth overall in the NFL draft this last uh, this last draft. Now here's the thing. Now. Bijan is a phenomenal talent, and if you are looking at fantasy and what have you, 
he's he's going in the first round. He's going as a RB one. Okay, so for my fantasy people out there, keep that in mind. But here's my problem with the with the draft of the Atlanta Falcons. So you have the eighth overall pick, prime position to take uh, corners. Um, there's offensive linemen at that point. There's um, you know a couple of defensive uh, stalwarts out there. They could have done a lot of things. Also, keep in mind that Tyler Algier, who is now going into his second year, so this is his rookie season, he had 1,035 yards in his rookie season, and he averaged 4.9 yards a carry. Okay? They also have Cordell Patterson, who is a good, like, multi-guy. He can play wide receiver and running back, but he did some of the hard running for the Atlanta Falcons last year. So you had a pretty solidified backfield. It wasn't like Algier is this 28-year-old man who, you know, we don't know what he has left. So it was odd in the fact of, I understand the talent, and they say, well, we're just going to get the talent. Same as what Philadelphia did, like, right before them. But if you were Atlanta, and you put Jalen Carter into the middle of that defense. Now, some people say they didn't have the infrastructure to handle a Jalen Carter. Um, that says a lot about what your infrastructure is. Jalen Carter would have been a beast on this defense, but they did go with B. John Robinson, who is an excellent back. I'm not going to say that he's not going to have an excellent year because I believe he will. He's going to catch the ball out the backfield. He's going to run the football. Um, the only question is, are they going to split those carries? Is Tyler Ajir going to get 35% of the reps? Is he only going to get 30? Are they just going to run Bijan into the ground until they can't run him anymore? Uh, for fantasy people, I'm sure they're looking at Bijan. They want him to run until they can't run him anymore. But um, if you're trying to win the football games, this is a situation where what is Tyler Algier? And what is his role specifically on this team? So you have all that going on. Now, the other thing is, is that they still are devoid of pass rushers and their defensive backfield is a little suspect to me. I've heard from other people, they like their defensive backfield. I'm not sure. Um, but I am just kind of wondering what kind of team we have in the Atlanta Falcons. And here's the thing. Here's the other thing that goes along with this is that with the slide of the Bradyless Bucks and team and there's teams in this division that have to win. They just have to win games. So Tampa is without Brady. You know, and we'll get to their win share a little bit later. And you know, Atlanta has a lot of talent. At least offensively. Now, if you, do, if you are sold on Ritter, you're probably going over seven and a half. If you're not sold on Ritter like me, you're kind of going, hmm, do I want even want to stay away from this? See, here's the thing. The odds to me aren't great either way. So I don't see the benefit of uh, doing this either way. But it's just good to know that you're looking at seven and a half. My thing is do it game by game with the Atlanta Falcons. If you feel good about them, you know, uh, on a Sunday, go ahead and bet them. If you don't feel good, you know, bet them the other way, you know, and go from there. 
Now, on to our next team. And this is a real interesting team as well. Um, the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers got the number one overall pick. And we'll talk about that in one second. Um, so they have a lot of momentum. New owner. Uh, well, pseudo new owner. Tepper has been here for like, what, four or five years. Um, you got that. And now you have the new coach. You have the new coaching staff to surround uh, Rice Young. And there's a lot of optimism in the air for Carolina because they did play well towards the last part of the season. Um, They were running the football well. They played with a lot of physicality. Uh, And so there's there's a lot of optimism there. So here are a couple of my questions about the Carolina Panthers. Now, their, their win total is seven and a half as well. And Vegas has it, or FanDuel has it as seven and a half under is getting negative 110. And also the over is getting negative 110. So not a lot of value either way. It depends on how you feel on it. Now, I was so high on them early because I was like, you know what? They got some nice little pieces, you know. You look at the names, right? You look at the Adam Thielens of the world, right? You kind of go, okay, I see it. You know, I see this a little bit. And But when you take a, a, a closer look and you see what they have, and they got DJ Chark and folks like that, here's the other thing. Here's my question. Are we sure about Frank Reich as a head football coach? The only reason I say that is because I'm not doubting the man as an offensive like coordinator or being able to be a quarterback or whisperer, so to speak. You know, we saw what he did in Philadelphia. But my question is, is that we saw the, also the uh, the resume in Indianapolis and how they went through multiple quarterbacks and just getting worse and worse. As the season went on, you know, that was the uh, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan debacles. So my question is, is that are we 100% sure that this is a guy that we want to give the first overall pick, Bryce Young, you know, and are we sure this is a guy to lead this very talented, but very slight quarterback, right? These are the questions that I have. Now, also keep in mind, he got let go for ESPN analyst and former center Jeff Saturday. Okay, they didn't really, they didn't let him go and then take one of the assistants. No, they replaced him with somebody who was on TV like the week before. So keep that in mind as well. A lot of, uh, a lot of upheaval in Indianapolis with uh, Jim Mercer. Like I said, I have a ton of notes here. Um, the other thing that's going to be very important this year with the Carolina Panthers is protect Bryce Young at all costs. Absolutely at all costs. Now, here's the problem with that. The, the O-line so far has been absolutely terrible. Um, it's been an absolute house of horrors. They spent a first-round pick on Ikan Kongu, and so far... It hasn't turned out very well. Um, The weapons that he has, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but if you look at 
DJ Chark, bunch of injuries. Thielen is older. Um, Mingo, who I'm very high on, he's a rookie. So now, if you're if he is the third guy or whatever, that could work out. But I'm I'm just suspect on the weapons. And then you got Hayden Hurst, who we've been looking at his potential for what five six years now, still hasn't materialized. And then we have Miles Sanders, who's a serviceable running back, but he's not this bell cow type running back that you can give the ball to 28, 30 times a game. That is not what he does. So my whole thing with this is that I think the seven and a half is a little high, personally. No offense to Bryce Young. My thing right now is to keep him healthy at all costs. I don't care if you have to hold every single time, whatever. Just keep my man upright. Let's get back into this draft and see what we can do. That's my thing. So seven and a half, I would have to put my money on the under. If you would have talked to me in June, there was th- I had thoughts of them winning the division, but just giving it like the second look allows me to have some perspective and um, I'm kind of out on this offensive line and I'm not real. I'm not really excited about the uh, the weapons that they have. So, with that being said, they do have a pretty good defense. You got Derrick Brown, you have Burns on the outside edge, and you got J.C. Horn. So they got they got real blue chippers along that defense sprinkled in. So that's a good sign. So they might keep some games close. My thing, if you're a Carolina fan and you want to do some betting. It's probably a game-by-game choice for you as well. If you feel like, okay, the offense showed a little in the last couple weeks and they got a really favorable matchup and you want to take them, you know, uh, money line or whatever the case may be, that might be the way to go. But I personally would not say the future bet and take the over of the 7.5. Now, again, if Bryce Young is who we think he is, um... Now, hey, you'd have to be super special to bring that talent to the playoffs, but it's a real easy division, you know, because we got questions on Atlanta. I'm talking about Carolina right now. We're about to get into Tampa, and we got questions with all these teams. So that is also part of this. So you have to kind of weigh both, but my whole thing is I think they're a year away, so I would take the under. Now we're going to move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First off, six and a half wins. The over is is negative 115, and the under is negative 105. So not a lot of leeway back and forth there, but it all depends on what you think this team is. Now, here's the thing. Brady is gone, and it looks like Baker Mayfield is going to be the quarterback there. Now, with the amount of talent that's around Baker, a lot of people feel like this six and a half might be something that they could achieve. I personally do not. Okay. You got a lot of people that are in that building who are thinking individually right now because this is not a winning situation. Okay. Tampa sold its soul, which, hey, this is what you do to get a Super Bowl, right? A Super Bowl is very important no matter what. So if you're telling me we're going to have a couple down years because we got the Super Bowl, let me go ahead 
and take those down years as well. I'm doing it here with the Rams. Uh, we're going to be awful this year, and I cannot wait. You know, it's just a price of doing business. We went all in on winning the Super Bowl. Tampa's in the same situation. Now, they have a ton of weapons. Mike Evans always gets 1,000 yards. Chris Godwin is one of those wide receivers that are going to be highly coveted as we get closer to the uh, trade deadline. Both of those guys will be highly coveted. The other thing is that Todd Bowles' as coach hasn't really left a lot of um, to the imagination where we're looking at him and saying, yeah, he can get this team to uh, seven or eight wins. Now, again, the division is soft. Do you believe in Baker Mayfield? That's the other question. Because if Baker is going to be decent and resurrect his career and be able to provide quality backup roles, uh, later on down the line, this is a critical year for Baker. But we said this last year as well. It was a critical year. And he had a kind of a mediocre season, you know. Um, the O-line is kind of decimated by injuries. Center Ryan Jensen is out. Looks like he might have to retire. I'm not. It's not fully fleshed out yet, but... The knee injury is significant. It goes back to last year. Um, so I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of looking at the team and going, where's the running game going to come from if the offensive line is in complete disarray? Remember, Brady threw the ball out of necessity because the run game was not getting any leverage whatsoever. They weren't having any kind of, they couldn't establish the run at all in Tampa last year, and I don't see that changing this year especially with the offensive line being the way it is. Now, there are some bright spots to Tampa. If you're a Tampa Bay fan, the things that you want to look at is the development like of the defense. Um, you can focus in on guys like um, Vita Vea, who's still very young, the rookie uh, Clancy out of, of Pittsburgh, who everybody says is a Aaron Donald clone. Uh, I, would, I would ease back on those uh, – comparisons and Joe trying uh Shinoka as well in uh also Winfield Jr. So these are building blocks to a pretty good defense that could be um with a couple more additions in the next couple years. This could be a really monster defense, but you know that's kind of what you're looking for in Tampa. Six and a half half to me, I don't think they come I don't honestly if they won five this year I'd be really impressed. Um, no offense to Todd Bowles. You know, I just think he's a really good defense coordinator. I don't think he should be a head coach. Um, but the only thing that you can kind of say pause to is that if Baker is able to resurrect. Because Evans and Godwin are legit firepower. If those guys were on any other teams, they would be like complete different difference makers on those teams. You know, if you put Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on Indianapolis, no offense to Drake, to Drake, uh, not Drake London, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. You know, you're looking at a situation where now you got weapons and, oh, it looks great, right? If they were on Green Bay or Chicago or whomever, that would change everything 
for those teams and these win totals. So keep that in mind as we get closer and closer to the season starting, which happens on Thursday. Is that is Mike Evans going to end in Tampa this year? Because the reports are saying that they've cut off negotiations. This is his last year in Tampa, so I expect him to be traded by week eight. Does Chris Godwin say? If Mike Evans is gone, do you keep Chris Godwin? If you're Tampa, do you kind of try to get yourself locked into um, the best draft position possible? I don't know. Arizona has a fierce head start on everybody, so keep that in mind. So I don't think they reached the six and a half as well. So there you go with that. Now, here's the team that, that we got a real problem with. <clears throat> the New Orleans Saints, their over under is nine and a half wins. If you take the over, it's plus 110. So they are the favorite in that division. Under nine and a half is, is, is negative 130. So you got... Here's a question. It's the division, but do you believe that Dennis Allen and Derek Carr can bring the Saints to the top of the NFC South? That's the question. Now, if you just said, oh, well, you just told me all these other teams are whack. They are. If you told me that This is going to be the best set of weapons that Derek Carr has had in a very, very long time. I would agree with you. They got some questions, those weapons. But this is the best offensive line Derek Carr has been around in quite some time as well. So I would agree with you there. So there's a lot of reasons to sit and say this division is kind of – is. You know, they're a year away from being a year away on a couple of these teams. And then um, on another team, we're just looking at a quarterback and we're going, you know, can Ritter be like last year, Kenny Pickett? You know? Um, so, I mean, the nine and a half, it, here's the thing. It depends on if you believe that Atlanta – Tampa, and even Carolina, <clears throat> like, they're all going to split. Like, nobody is going to be so much better than anybody else. To me, New Orleans is the only team <clears throat> that can have a, a 500 record or better in their division in the South. Carolina, I, I can't see it. <clears throat> I might be close on Atlanta, but I'm still I'm worried about Desmond Ritter. And Tampa, I think, is is literally, if it wasn't for um, in the NFC, the Rams and Arizona, they would be vying for like the worst team in the in in the uh, conference. So nine and a half is still a big number. Like, I can see them winning this division with nine. And, like, a bunch of the NFC South teams have seven. Here's the thing. Um, yeah, ten. 
have, get, that's just rough, man. I do not know. Um, yeah, if you if you take the over, you're gonna make a little bit of money. I, I Dennis Allen scares me as a coach. I think they can win this division at nine and eight. Um, and let's see. It's my whole thing is is car too. What car are we getting? Because if we're getting the car from last year, this team is going to struggle to win this division. If we're getting a car from you know three years ago, maybe, maybe you know they they win 10, 11 games and kind of put some distance between themselves and everybody else in this division. It's just so hard to predict. I think I have New Orleans going nine and eight. They win the division. Uh, might come down to the last week. Atlanta, if the quarterback situation gets squared away, maybe they can give them a run. Uh, Tampa's not absolutely terrible on either side of the ball, you know, just with the weapons on offense and a good young defense. So nine and eight sounds great for the New Orleans Saints. It's just a lot of questions. And then here's the other thing with the defense. Now, Cam Jordan has played well his entire career. He's 34. Tyron Matthew, dangerous playmaker, 31. And looks like he's lost half a step. Demario Davis, heady player, steady, 34 years of age. There's a lot of age on this team. So... Do with that what you will, and then we'll get on to now. We'll move conferences, and we'll get into the AFC. Um, I just kind of bounced around, so, you know, also you can kind of gauge what I was thinking about with the divisions and who's going to win and all that, because I want to say that for Wednesday's podcast. So we move on to the AFC South, which is also a division that is going through a lot of turmoil right now, a lot of upheaval. So the Houston Texans, um, we're not going to talk about how much I hated their draft because I think I we buried that, we killed that uh, horse, um, we shot it, all kinds of things. Peter come after me after that. I'll say something. Peter be mad at me. Um, here's the thing: they drafted C.J. Stroud, and then they went double back and got Will Anderson Jr. So they kind of solidified both sides of the ball. Uh, but this team had a lot of holes, so I didn't agree with the moving up and doing that because they gave up a lot of draft assets down the road. Here's the problem right now. Um, offensive line, uh, right now, early, sounds like a really bad first date. is all over the place. We don't know who's playing, who's hurt, who's not going to be playing. It's just is a wreck on their offensive line. Now, they do have a couple of intriguing weapons. Now, this is for your fantasy people. Now, I haven't heard a lot about one person on the Texans, which is weird. And I'm kind of wondering why. But I think you can actually pick him up on waivers. John Metchie third. Now, here's the thing. He's coming off leukemia. Um, hasn't played a lot. But keep in mind, uh, John Metchie was as essential to those Alabama teams as Devontae Smith, Jamison Williams, 
So people who got a lot of shine early on, uh, Mechie was just as capable at Alabama. And it wasn't like he was coming off like a knee injury or something this last year. He got cancer. If he can find the explosiveness, the route running is there. I'm I'm in on John Mechie as a route runner. Um, so they have some ex- – he's an explosive slot guy personally. Now, head coach uh, D'Amico Ryan's got his uh, got a defensive guy. D, uh, D'Amico is a defensive coach. He came from the 49ers. He's down there. He's trying to put a different culture. Um, they, they've, you know, the Houston Texans the last couple of years, we know what it's been about, right? Um, now, here's the one thing. Now, their over-under is five and a half. They have every reason, and they should be motivated to win as many games as they possibly can because they don't have their first-round pick. That pick is Arizona's. And they're also in a division that is, you know, on the softer side. <clears throat> but it's kind of heavy on the top. So, and it's do you believe in what they have? Because it's, it's Damian Pierce. A bad offensive line, not a lot of weapons. I think their um, their weapons, it, as far as what they have, is not great. Remember, DeAndre Hopkins was out there, and he did not go back to Houston, which we weren't completely shocked by, depending on how he left through the Bill O'Brien thing. Um. I just don't know how they get to to six victories. I I mean I know that their division is soft. They should you know they could go five hundred. Starting a rookie quarterback and especially a quarterback out of Ohio State who is used to throwing through like huge passing windows. Um, that's not going to be there in the NFL. I think there's going to be a struggle there. And again, the offensive line. And remember this about uh, C.J. Stroud. We only saw him do the running situation in the Georgia game. It wasn't any time else. If you look at Stroud and look a lot of tape at, it, at him, he doesn't run. He's going to have to run now. The offensive line is not great. Now we move on to the Indianapolis Colts. Basically, to me, the question with the Indianapolis Colts isn't the front office or the coaching staff or even the players, right? Really, to me, is uh, is Jim Ursay a one-man tank commander? Let me tell you why. So Jim Ursay, well-publicized, gets into a beef with his uh, starting running back, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor asked for a new contract. My guy Ursay says, nah, we're not doing that. We don't believe in the value of running backs. And then turns around and asks for a first-round pick from these teams that were looking to trade for uh, Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor shouldn't even have the value of Christian McCaffrey, but... Caffrey got a 
second rounder, a fourth rounder, and a fifth rounder. You probably could have got like maybe like a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth for Jonathan Taylor. But asking for that first after you basically said, no, nah, we're not willing to pay him and we don't think he's valuable enough to pay, that was never going to fly. So now you got Jonathan Taylor out with a contract dispute. Zach Moss, who came over from Philadelphia, who was okay. He wasn't great. He's out. He's hurt. So Deion Jackson is going to be starting. Uh, more of a, a special teamer and a journeyman. He's, you know, I mean, he's just a backup, basically. And this is what you're putting out in front of a quarterback who is a rookie and a rookie who doesn't have a ton of experience at the collegiate level. So I'm, I'm really worried about what we're doing here in Indianapolis. To me, this is like Ursay said, you know what? You know, it'd be cool if we can double dip and go back into the draft and get like a, you know, top seven pick next year. You know, either beef up the defensive line or, or, or you know, get, get our guys some weapons or whatever. Remember, uh, Marvin Smith or Marvin uh, Harrison Jr. is coming out. Okay. So I can see Jim Ursay salivating in Big Ten country looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. Remembering he got his, he had his daddy. You know what I'm saying? Just wanting to add that dude. So, um, Let's see, their win total is six and a half. So, questions abound there, right? Um, how accurate is Richardson going to be? Um, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, whatever you think of their tight ends. Um, the back situation now, because you're looking at Deion Jackson instead of Jonathan Taylor, you don't even know if you got somebody to catch out the backfield right now. I mean, this is not real. This is not what I would consider like the the pyramid of success to to start your rookie quarterback. By the way, Gardner Minshew is sitting on that bench. So if there was a sacrificial lamb to be had, he would be it. And I would use that. I wasn't comfortable with Richardson starting the year anyway. Um, and now with just just no certainty on that offense whatsoever. I definitely, I just, I just don't see it. Is this sounds like, this sounds like complete failure to really give your quarterback the best chance of of really developing well in his first year. Now the great thing is that Steichen is there. Steichen was working with Hertz. If they, but remember what. Hurts had around him Devontae Smith even before AJ Brown but you know he got AJ Brown they had a plethora of running backs I mean the cat the the cover is a little bare right now so I don't know how this is all gonna work so six and a half seems very very lofty it's real hard in this division um I am more sold on the two teams that we haven't talked about yet than I am on Indianapolis. So six and a half, 
if Richardson can be special for a couple games, um, maybe. But I would highly doubt it. And it's not because I don't like the talent. It's just like your owner just threw a grenade at the start of the season for no reason. Now we move on to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans have seven and a half wins as the mark. It's a negative 105 to go. And it is plus 105 to go under seven and a half. Oh, so you getting money on them not being good. This is basically this is basically um, the Booker's saying Tannehill is 34, 35 years old. Derrick Henry's 29, 30 years old. You know, where's the talent going to come from? We really going to depend on this dude who's this old. By the way, late in your in your fantasy drafts, depending on how deep it is, uh, Tajay Spears is their backup. So if something does happen to Derrick Henry, you heard it here from your guy. But basically... <clears throat> Here's the one thing that I do know about Rabel. He's a good coach, and he will get. I just think that he the seven and a half. I I think that's way crazy. I think he should. I think they'll blow that away because you know I don't know if they'll win the division, but yeah, eight nine wins. I'm not saying their offense is what's going to hold them back in the sense of it doesn't have a ton of big playability, but. They can grind you into the ground enough where they make the game muddy and dirty, and they have a really good defense. So uh, it's young, it's hungry, it's aggressive. So that seven and a half to me, I definitely would take the over on that. I don't know if they'll win the division personally. Um, we'll talk about that later in the week. But um, with that being said, I'm I'm high on them, and I'm just high on. Just Rabel himself and the guys he has. And I think he can get one more one more season out of it. That's a start turnaround because I remember the first year of the Tannehill Derrick Henry experiment. And I was like, you can't win this way. It was like they got lucky and they just kept winning. So Rabel has the formula. So I seven and a half go over on that. So now we get to Duval County. We get to Jacksonville. Jacksonville has nine and a half as their win total. Over is negative 140. And under is plus 120. So if you think that they are a year away, then you will go under and make some money. If you believe in um, all of what you saw last year, then you would go over. Um, the g- division is soft. So I would think they should have a winning record in their division. Here is the problem. Here is the issue right now. It's the offensive line. So they have to kind of, I don't know, kind of just hold it down until Cam Robinson gets back from his suspension. You got Anton Harrison starting at as a rookie on the right side, and you got Walker Little who's starting on the left side, who was the right tackle. So I think their offense is going to struggle early. They got a ton of weapons. I wonder if they can get to them. 
Now, Trevor Lawrence is athletic enough to get out of harm's way, so to speak. My only thing is what happens if he gets hurt before Cam Robinson gets back. I hope with the Travis Etienne Tank Grisby backfield that he they can take pressure off of Trevor Lawrence um, until until Cam gets back. But they got Doug Peterson as head coach, and they got Trevor Lawrence, who I believe in. So nine and a half, go over. I don't like the division. I like Tennessee, and I like Jacksonville at the top of the division, battling for who's going to win it. But those two teams are the ones I believe in. And I just look at the weapons that um, that Jacksonville has amassed, and the problem is, is their defense – they just don't get enough pressure on the football. Um, they're going to have to get a lot more out of Trayvon Rocker, who was their first overall pick last year. Uh, if if I thought their defense was decent, oh, I would be like, shut it down. Like we we looking at eleven wins. What are we talking about? Nine and a half. But you know, it is one of those things. So we move along to another intriguing division. Now, last year when we got to this division, it was, this might be the deepest division in football, I think it was. Yeah, it was last year. Remember, Devontae Adams came into the division. Russell Russell Wilson came into the division. The Chargers added people. Kansas City added people. It was just a mess. Everybody was adding things. It was crazy. Lo and behold, Division goes to hell. Kansas City is still the best team. And it's it's all the, you know, every year, you know, changes. Andy Reid, Mahomes, they're still good. So that's what we're looking at, right? So this year, what are the win totals for these teams? So let's start with the Denver Broncos, right? Okay, Sean Payton comes in to coach the team. We know what his Accolades are, we know what he did in New Orleans. We know what kind of offensive coordinator, coordinator he was before the, beforehand. We know what kind of offense he can build. <clears throat> and he is coming in to resurrect Russell Wilson. Now, if you are that Russell Wilson is absolutely shot, uh, the eight and a half that Denver is supposed to have are going to win, you have um, the over at minus 106 and the under at minus 114 so guess what little non-action on both those so here's the deal this is one thing i'll say about sean payton i don't think that dude comes back and says i'm gonna have a 5 and 12 record my first year back i just don't see him doing it not him um, Russ has also lost 20 pounds. I don't know if anybody has kind of checked in on that. So Russ is down about 212, which is about seven pounds heavier than when he came into the league, which is still great. <clears throat> I think the loss of weight will give him better escapability from the pocket. Maybe we see a little of the old Russ. I'm not high on Russ, but I'm just saying that it has to be better than last year. <clears throat> Nothing could be worse than last year. Nothing. 
The offensive line is solid. They also signed uh, McGlinchey from the 49ers to play the right tackle position. He's a mauler. That'll help the run game. Keep in mind also, they had 10th best defense last year, and they were off to like a really historic pace early in the season, and then it kind of fell down because the offense wasn't good. If you can't help on the offense and you're putting your defense in like precarious positions, probably fall back to whatever, but they fell back to 10th. And that defense is still there. Um, Eight and a half. Okay, so we got the Chargers in this division. We got Kansas City in in this division. And then we got the Raiders. So, hmm. Can they go three and three in their division? Because that's the question. They would have to go three and three. Um, Sean Payton can get them to nine, right? Sean can get them to nine. I can see that happening. Um, I mean, he he wants to the at least the second best coach in this division, right? We're still not sold on Brandon Staley out in L.A. I know that for a fact. Can't wait to talk about him in a second. But, yeah, I'm I'm in on Peyton. I don't know about Russ. I'm not super sold. Can, remember that uh, Stidham is behind Russell Wilson, and they paid him like $10 million for two years. So uh, if for some reason the Russell experiment uh, doesn't doesn't take off, they do have Stidham in the back. And he could kind of do the game manager, control the offense, and, you know, get the ball to the weapons and, and whatever the case may be. But this is a big year for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, those guys are former first-round picks. It's time to step up, fellas, and do y'all thing. So, yeah, 9-8, and eight, that's a rough situation. But I think I would go 9-8 and eight for the Denver Broncos. Let's move on to the the Vegas Raiders. They have a 6.5 win, uh, win share total. Over is plus 108. <laughs> and under is negative 138. So, a lot of teams are, a lot of people are believing in the Raiders. Now, I will tell you that I am not one of them. Okay, so let's talk about what, we, what we're doing. This is the same old Raiders. Same exact Raiders. Same exact situation. Josh Jacobs, who did sign the contract, I mean, that took a minute. All right? Devontae Adams doesn't seem super jazzed about being in Vegas now. And there's a lot of doubt about Jimmy G and what he's going to be able to provide. He's leaving that Shanahan offense. So now you get Jimmy G. Okay? You're not getting Jimmy G plus the Shanahan rub. You're just getting Jimmy G. Now, also, are you sold on Josh McDaniels as a coach? Because I'm not. I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. I am not sold on Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Just saying. Six and a half wins, though. 
six and a half. Well, Kansas City in this division again. And if I think the Broncos are going over eight and a half. I think that the Raiders will go under six and a half. I, th- I think the Raiders might have a chance to be in that top five, top seven when it comes to the draft picks this year, honestly. Um, and this is if Jimmy G does have a good year. Um, I, you know, he'd have to have a spectacular year. That defense is not great. The weapons, I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, Devontae is good, but what about everybody else? Are you sold on their tight end? Because Waller's now in in New York playing for the Giants. So there's a lot of questions that the Raiders have to answer, and I would take the under. Now we get to the L.A. Chargers. <clears throat> L.A. Chargers wins are 9.5. If you go over, it's negative 128. If you go under, it's plus 104. Ooh, okay, okay. People not believing in the fighting Staley's. So, if you just look at this team on paper, this team should battle for the AFC West They, as far as talent is concerned. They have talent on on both sides of the ball. It's sprinkled in all the areas. They got blue trippers everywhere. Derwin James, um, Boza. Um, they are just stacked. And then on the offensive side, you know the weapons. You got Eckler. You got Herbert. You got the wide receivers. This team is, is ready for bear. And they got a nine and a half total. I, I mean, I know they. I know FanDuel's down on them. This team should win. Should win ten games. It should. Talent alone, it should win ten games. So why am I kind of like him and Han about it? Well, Brandon Staley. That's why I'm worried. Brandon Staley. And also the Spanos curse. Bad ownership group. Look at the history of the Spanos. Look at all the dealings in San Diego. Go back. Look. It's not great. Mismanagement of of players. Losing dudes. Remember, they had Drew Brees at one time. Now, it worked out that they got Phillip Rivers or whatever. It worked out. But there were also talks of like, you know, not paying certain dudes, you know, certain, like, key members of your team. Shedding costs. This is this is what we get from the Spanos family. And with all that said, do I trust Brandon Staley? Because here's the thing. If they don't win 10 games this year, Staley's got to go. He's got to go. There's no way this team should not win 10 games. But I'm still here kind of going, uh, do I trust it? Do I trust it? Here's the reason why I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Again, I think the Raiders are not going to be great, one. The other reason, <clears throat> Kellen Moore is now the new offensive coordinator. I think that you now have a coordinator that understands and can get Herbert into the right situations. He's the right guy to work with Herbert. He's done it. He's seen it. And now I think he can... He can literally speak the language of Herbert, and they can get the best out of that offense. So that's the reason why I'm going over. It's because of the offense 
and all the weapons that they have. But I'm going to tell you right now, Brandon Staley is a defensive guy. And if he doesn't get that defense together with all the talent that it has on it, they're going to have a real problem, real issue. Now we get to the defending champions, your Kansas City Chiefs. Win total is 11.5, minus 134 to go over, under, plus 110. So, here is the deal. Chris Jones is still not with them. There are trade speculations going on. My man wants to get paid. He's talking about, I'll see you at week six. Travis Kelsey out here singing R&B songs. Like he trades songs to somebody. Okay? He out here singing Bobby Valentino songs. Talking about, please, baby, baby, please come back to Chris Jones. E, here's the thing. Mahomes is there. This is a tough division. But Mahomes himself gives gives Kansas City 11 wins. All right? Let's just be straight with that. Here's the question. Do you believe that they have the 12th one in them? There's a lot of cause for you not to believe in that. And I'll tell you why. Tell me the established running back on this roster. Some people will say Isaiah Pacheco. They got McKinnon. They got Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire. Bust so far. What's the wide receiver group look like? Let's talk about that a little bit. Kadarius Tony nursing the injury right now. So my joke with that is he's nursing the injury then, now, and forever. Shout out to my guys at the WWE. Then you got um, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's serviceable, but he doesn't scare anybody. He doesn't tilt the field and give you an advantage. And then there's Sky Moore. Sky Moore was a rookie last year. He really didn't know the playbook. There's a chance that now that he has a better grasp of what he's doing in an Andy Reid offense, that he's the guy who emerges as the guy. But I'm, I will tell you this. That's my question about this team. Is can they get another offensive weapon to emerge? Listen, the quarterback is always going to be great. They're always going to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. They're always going to be in the mix as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are wearing Kansas City red. We are straight. Everything is great. But I think you cannot continue to play and not get this dude adequate weapons Kelsey is 34 years of age. Now, for your fantasy people out there, Kelsey's still going to go in the first round. He's going to go from anywhere between three to eight. Late. Eight is late. I think maybe three to six, most likely. So, if you're a fantasy, the only, it would almost behoove you to take one of the people late in in the uh, in the late rounds because somebody has to get off in that offense. 
Mahomes throws for darn near 5,000 yards every year and like 40 touchdowns. And Travis Kelsey ain't catching 5,000 yards worth of uh, Patrick Mahomes. So with that being said, somebody's got to get these yards. So taking like a late flyer in late round on a Sky Moore, or if you really love the talent of Kadarius Toney, and he's just so tantalizing because if he ever was healthy, this is a might be the closest thing. And listen, when I say this, please do not be aggregating me on this. When he's healthy, there are shades of Tyree Kill in him. He's that fast. He's that um, agile. Uh, I'm not saying he runs the greatest routes, but when you're that fast, it doesn't matter. Kind of has some dog in him where 50-50 balls aren't really 50-50 balls with Kadarius Tony for some apparent reason. I don't know why. So for fantasy, I would definitely do that. Now, getting back to this 11 and a half, do you feel like this team, my whole thing is if Chris Jones isn't there for most of the season, um, which I think he will be, but this contract thing concerns me. Um, but it's from home. So I'm, I just think 12 and 5 is just in his DNA. He's just going to get you, he's just going to get you 12 wins. So that's how I feel about that. And there we go. So let's see who we got next. We should be getting to the end of this. I think this is the last one. Is this the last one? We're going to find out. Yep. All right. Cool. We're at the last division. Excited about this division because it is the NFC North. And let's go ahead and end it off with the NFC North. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. Uh, what is it? Da, 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 seven and a half. Is there over-unders? Wins. We got negative 122. For going under seven and a half, and to go over to go under plus one hundred. Here's the thing, honestly, this looks very familiar again. Three fifths of the offensive line right now is on the IR: Jenkins, Kramer, and uh, Whitehair. Um, they're not doing Justin Fields a lot of favors with that. Um. I mean, the weapons have gotten a little bit better. Getting DJ Moore was was a good move. Um, that slides Darnell Mooney down to the two and Claypool to the slot and what have you. So the weapons are okay. Khalil uh, Herbert in the backfield, that's okay as well. I'm just not sold. I think their division is too tough. So I'm taking the under. But here's the thing, Chicago. This is the thing that I'm kind of I'm kind of mad about for you guys. I don't I still don't think Fields is getting like the fairest, fairest like eval of what he could be. Strictly because of the offensive line. I think you could have a better running back, but Justin Fields is a de facto running back for you. I just wish they had him a, a really nice tight end or something. Something that if you had like a guy like a even you don't need like the top top guy. I'm not saying Kittle or 
uh, Kelsey or anybody like that. I'm just saying, like, just standard dude. Like, if they had, like, Fryer Moose, which I know he's on the upper echelon, but he's, like, on the lower part of the upper echelon, but somebody like that, somebody you can sit there and say, hey, this dude, getting, he's getting, like, eight targets a game. He's going to catch five passes, and this is some way I can use on third downs, right? I just don't know how they're going to get to that to that total. I know there are a lot of Bears fans who are probably excited about their team this year. We'll see. I just don't believe. And it, like I said, I don't think it has anything to do with Justin Fields. Now we get on to the Detroit Lions. And they're over... Their over-under is nine and a half wins. All right. So, the Detroit Lions are America's darling right now. There was so much buzz after the year they had, and then they went into the draft. They had two first-round picks that I didn't agree with, but they are talented dudes. Whether they got them in the right spots or not, that's that's not for debate anymore. Um, here's the problem. If the defense doesn't improve drastically, uh, golf in this offense is going to be in a bunch of sh- uh, shootouts and things of that nature, um, which is great for fantasy. So let's get to that. Take Jared Goff late as a second quarterback, or if you're in the league where you know PPR is just killing it, you, you know take him as a late quarterback. Try to stack your running backs and wide receivers in the early rounds, and golf will be there late. Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, early second. If you are in a snake draft, if you're like the third pick in the second round or whatever, and you think, well, I can wait. No, don't wait. He won't be there. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is going like, he's going early to late first round. So depending on the drafts, he might go fifth. He might go sixth. He might go 10th. Um, People are real high on him. Uh, I think he should be a second-round pick, personally. But people are high on him. But also, keep in mind, if his volume is going to go up because the defense, they're going to be in a bunch of shootouts, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to score points. So keep that in mind as well. Um, and then Sam Laporta. Now, Sam Laporta, here's the things what I'll say about tight ends. Tight ends are one of those things where in the first year, it takes them a little bit longer to be acclimated to the system. Now, Sam Laporta does come from Iowa. Um, Iowa puts out NFL tight ends like all the time. Kittle, Hawkinson, all these dudes. Fant, all these dudes, right? Um, and supporters look good in the preseason, just like everybody else says, right? Oh, they all look good in the preseason. But he does have an opportunity because Jerry Goff <clears throat> is like the check down king. And if he finds this dude to be reliable on third down, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be his favorite target on third down. So, yeah, taking a late flyer on San Laporta would also be probably something good. Now for the nine and a half. Mm. Hmm. You know what? Nine and a half is a big number. That means they'd have to get ten. But I think 10 is, uh, no, they can get 9 and and get into the playoffs too. All right. Detroit, 
I'm gonna ride with you. Ten. Yes, yeah, sir. I believe in you. You get ten. You know, I'm a. This is more on Campbell and what he got going on than it is on Jared Goff and all of that. I believe in the talent around Jared, and I'm one of those guys who says if you surround him with a bunch of talent, he can be very, very good. He does have all that, so we'll see how it all goes. Now let's move along to the Green Bay Packers. Their win over under is 7.5. It is 150. Negative 150 to go over. So people are thinking about that. It's plus 122 under. All right. So. All right. So um, here's the deal with the the Packers. It's the post-Rogers era. All right. Um, But just know that the covers aren't bare in Green Bay. They have Aaron Jones and they have A.J. Dillon in the backfield. The Packers have a bunch of young wide receivers. Now, I don't know if the Packers are just allergic or is is there some sort of religious belief. I don't know what it is, but they must have some sort of thing against wide receivers because I would have thought adding like a vet to this group would have been something that they would want to do. They did not. So you're looking at um, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, um, Jalen Reed, um, and then Luke Musgrave has been sterling in the preseason. Again, this is another rookie tight end. Take it with a grain of salt. But the Packers have loved him. And remember, it is Jordan Love. So we have no idea who his, who where the target shares are going to go. Because Jordan Love is running this offense. Now, also keep in mind that this is going to be more of the LaFleur offense because now that Rodgers gone, he's going to run his offense. They have a lot of talent on defense, personally. I, I'm a huge believer in this team. I think this is a um, three-team, actually, two-team division. Um. Yeah, they go over. I believe that they go over. I think we're going to be shocked at the end of the year after what we see Jordan Love put up. Um, so with that being said, I would go ahead and take the over. Now, we move on to the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the Minnesota Vikings over is 8.5, negative 128 to go over. Under plus 104, so you get a little money there. If you look at the weapons, you say, yep, yep, this is it. Do you believe in Alexander Madison taking over for uh, Dalvin Cook? I don't know. Like, I really don't. I'm not impressed with any of the numbers. Like, he's going to be the RB1, no doubt, and you should draft him in your fantasy draft because he's going to get a lot of the carries. He's going to get a lion's share of the carries. But I'm I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying, like, he's uh he's great. But if you're in a PPR league, this is a dude you want to get. Now, here's the other thing. They're 
in uh, one score games, you know, whatever case may be. There's no way that's going to happen again. No way. The defense, do you believe in Danielle Hunter and um, Marcus Davenport? Because that's where the pass rush is coming from. And people say, well, it has to be better than last year. Well, does it? Does it? Do you got any playmakers on this defense whatsoever? The safeties, I guess. People be mad about this take in Minnesota. But, um, and I've been, listen, I'm not the hugest fan of Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk is one of those guys that, yeah, if everything is right, it's all going to work out great. When, when everything is not right and you're depending on him to kind of, you know, lift you up, that is not what he does. So for me, the eight and a half, I'm out on. I'm really am. And I know that's shocking because I know people who have them as the favorite to win the division. I just can't see it. I don't think you can have the same luck in the one-score games as you did last year. And again, that was 11-0. and 11-0. So you're telling me they're going to have the same exact type of um, good fortune in bounces going their way? Just like they did last year, like everything is gonna go right. It's hard for me to swallow that one. All right, so that's the end of the pod, man. Thank you. I know we went long today. We, you know, this is crazy. We, you know, we're doing it big now. Um, hour and ten. So I'm gonna get up out of here. We're gonna have part two tomorrow, and that'll be the rest of the divisions that we have not done. So that'd be like the NFC West will be in there. Um, It'll be the NFC East. Um, there'll be some, you know, so, oh, the AFC North. I say that special for you guys for tomorrow. So we're going to have part two tomorrow, and then we'll have, we'll select our playoff teams and how far we think they're going to go and stuff like that on Wednesday to get you ready for Thursday. Because keep in mind, we got Thursday night football coming, man. Kansas City, Detroit. I'm so excited. Thank you guys for being here. Oh, Twitter at FrontRunnerPC or at NicoFRPC. My guy should be back later on this week. Um, <clears throat> check out YouTube. If you are checking it out, thank you. We really appreciate it. Remember to subscribe, like, share with other people, man. Please get it out there. Get the word out there. I appreciate it. And then if you're listening to the pod, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Remember to follow and remember to leave us some um, some ratings. Some five-star ratings would be great. Uh, leave some comments. If, we, if you think any of my takes or any of these thoughts that I had today that I shared with you, if you thought they absolutely sucked, let me know. Or if you thought, hey, they have a little... Married, or I would like to hear like expounded thought on that. You'll be helping produce the show, and I'll be more happy to answer anything that anybody has got going on. So that will do it for today. Again, thank you guys for listening, and uh, have a good week. And we are ready for part two tomorrow. Peace. <laughs>